from the Elliott Avenue studios of Sports Radio 950 KJR. This is Sounders Weekly with your host, Jackson Feltz. Good evening and welcome to Sounders Weekly. You're listening to the new home of the Seattle Sounders, Sports Radio 950 KJR. Jackson Feltz here in the beautiful Carter Volkswagen Studios. Beautiful day in Seattle today. And for the next hour, we're talking about Seattle Sounders soccer here on KJR every Tuesday night from 7 to 8 here. We talk some Sounders on tonight's show. Coming up in a few seconds, Matt Pence of The Athletic here in Seattle will join me over the phone for an interview. And then coming up here in about 25, 30 minutes on the show, Garth Lagaway, Sounders general manager and president of soccer, will join me for his usual Tuesday interview as well. I have slated here, we're going to talk about the addition of Raul Ruiz Diaz. Going to talk about the World Cup playing right now. Also going to talk about both things with Matt Pence here momentarily. Before we get going, I wanted to let you know, Sounder fans, head to Elysian Fields to catch the Sounders FC pre-match show live before every home match. Elysian Brewing, the official craft beer partner of Seattle Sounders FC. We were there at Elysian Fields this last weekend. Unfortunately, the Seattle Sounders did fall to the Portland Timbers 3-2. We don't cover that too much here on the show tonight. It was another loss for this club. It is the first home loss to the Portland Timbers in MLS regular season play. But alas, the world turns onward, and tomorrow the Seattle Sounders will face the Colorado Rapids in Commerce City, Colorado, so it's an away match. It's July 4th. The Sounders usually play here on July 4th, as they do this year. That will be a 6 p.m. kickoff, 5.30 p.m. pregame show right here on Sports Radio 950 KGR. So it's pretty simple. What you can do is you can either turn on your little AM-FM radio and tune it to 9.50 a.m., or you can use the wonderful iHeartRadio app. Just download it on your smartphone. It's free. And tune to Sports Radio 950 KGR. Our pregame show will begin at 5.30, so you can listen to Sounders Facing Colorado while you enjoy your July 4th holiday. All right, now on Sounders Weekly, we're going to chat with Matt Pence. He is the Sounders and MLS writer with The Athletic. Matt does a great job job so wanted to chat with him right now on Sounders Weekly. Good evening Matt thanks for coming on. Happy to come on. So Matt I want to start with the first and most important question of the entire interview. What price can people get the athletic membership for right now because it's every different price you can imagine. I know I got it for a pretty low price. What's the going rate right now and how can people find the cheapest price? <laughs> for sure so I try to I try to stay up on all of the updates um, but it does seem to fluctuate a little bit. So as far as I know, I mean, the baseline price is four ninety nine. As you said, it kind of they've had some flash sales. I've seen it as cheap as two ninety nine a month. So really, just follow the athletic um, sort of the main Twitter handle and keep your eyes out. And that's sort of probably the best way to to find a good rate. And, <laughs> okay. and honestly, I mean, obviously it's my own product, um, so I'm a little bit biased here. But even Four ninety nine a month. I mean, that's really a, a decent cup of coffee at most of the new Seattle coffee shops. No, it's so yeah, it's even cheap. sort of that baseline rate um, is not too bad of a deal, and and hopefully me and my colleagues are living up to that and making it worth your while. Yeah, for your benefit, people should get in on the four ninety nine rate, but for their benefit, there definitely are uh, chances there to get it for much cheaper. And as you said, it's a cup of coffee, and you get every article. It's not like you're only buying in for just Matt's articles. You're getting every athletic article and uh, the Mariners coverage that you guys do as well as Seahawks and everything else. It's more than worth the value. Matt, joking aside, when talking about the athletic, you've written some really, really good stuff so far this season. I think I'm with all Sounder fans when I say that we sorely 
totally missed your Sounders coverage and soccer writing, but we're so happy it's back with The Athletic. I first want to talk to you about a piece that you wrote last week about joining Brian Schmetzer for a Georgetown beer at the Attic in Madison Park. You did an excellent job, man, in terms of just setting the scene of the bar and with Brian in the midst of you know a tough stretch for the team. Do you get the feeling in talking to Brian that this difficult season is waning on him, both professionally and personally, because it seemed like he was, in an honest moment, evaluating and reevaluating his coaching abilities for a minute. For sure, and I think that this season would wear on anyone. Um, really, is just sort of a committed pro and a com- and a competitive guy. Like all of these losses have to burn, um, especially having had such success the last two years. Um, with him, I don't necessarily get the sense that he's doubting himself in any serious way, more that he's just, he's kind of an introspective guy who has kind of always been very aware of his own strengths and weaknesses. I kind of got into that at the story. Even going back to his playing days, um, he sort of admits that he wasn't the most naturally gifted guy, but that he was able to stick around for a really long time by recognizing what he could do well and filling these sort of useful niches. So I don't get the sense that he's necessarily down on himself in any way more than he's just kind of introspective about where he's at and right. sort of what he can lean on uh, to kind of help turn all this around. Yeah, and the quote, where am I destined to go, that the article is named after, it's very telling. He certainly is starting to think about his job and, and where the end is going to come after his long coaching career. In speaking with him, where do you think that he wants to go from here? In both cases, whether he does remain with the Sounders you know, long term, or if, you know, we can't speculate, of course, but if something was to happen and he was to part ways with the club, whether it was after this season or after 2019. Yeah, I think that he was, he was very um, blunt and open about that in a way that kind of surprised me, honestly, um, in the answer. He, he was kind of open about the fact that this really is his hometown club. I mean, that, that can kind of be a cliche. Um, a lot of people within his field, both players and coaches, that sort of want to take ownership and sort of put on airs when it comes to that. But he really did. He came up with the Sounders, coached them in the minor league system, he really kind of does have a deep connection with this team and with its fans. And he had kind of said that if it were up to him, maybe have two or three more successful years, maybe win another championship or two, and then he would be happy just taking on a different role within the organization if they would keep him around, which I thought was interesting because I know that a lot of guys sort of might want to test themselves overseas. He was kind of open about the fact that he's sort of content with where he's at and he would keep this job forever. Um, if they would have him. And, but he did sort of add the caveat that if things go south and he does get let go, be it this year or be it next year and sort of a less than amicable breakup, then maybe he would want to test himself one more time just to prove that he could still do it and prove that maybe he had gotten a raw deal. So I think that he was pretty open about the fact that if he has it his way, he will be the Sounders coach for the foreseeable future and, and hopefully – uh, get back to some of those heights of earlier on in his tenure. Right, and you talk about there the connection with the team and the connection with the fans, in addition to the connection with the city. I mean, it's interesting, kind of the article showed you a little bit more of the background look at just how connected he is 
with the people of the city, whether it was the owner of the bar or just, you know, folks coming up to him. And, you know, it's funny. You think about if Pete Carroll went out to a bar for a beer or whatever, or if Scott Service went out to a bar, everybody's immediately going to notice he's going to be treated like a celebrity. And they may even have that kind of celebrity feel. It felt like from reading it, he's just kind of another guy sitting in a bar having a beer. And that's part of what makes him so compelling as a character to me because it just really does feel like he is that down-to-earth local guy who was working in construction and ended up (laughs) sort of getting tapped on the shoulder and given this opportunity. And he really has, it seemed like, stayed in touch with those roots. And I think that we sort of even alluded to it in the story that, I mean, maybe that can make him easy to underestimate because he doesn't have – either the ego or sort of the presence even of some of those bigger name, higher profile coaches, even within MLS, but him being so down to earth and relatable, um, it does make him really easy to root for. And I think that that that's part of why I think he's connected on a level on such a level with so many of these fans. Yeah, I absolutely agree. He's the captain of the ship. Matt Pence is my guest. He's the Sounders and MLS writer for The Athletic here in Seattle. Matt, the other article you wrote following this loss against Portland asks the big questions surrounding this team right now, and that is even if Raul Ruiz Diaz comes in and has success and the team turns around in the second half, will they be able to make a sharp enough turn to make the playoffs, or is it going to be too little too late? Yeah, and I think that I lean towards the too little, too late um, answer there just for two different reasons. And that, A, I think that Nicholas Lodero coming in and being as impactful as he was in 2016 sort of gave people this false sense of how likely that is because it, it really is pretty uncommon that someone comes in from a different league, adjusts to a different culture, gets into a new locker room and thrives in the way that Lodero did pretty much immediately as soon as he arrived in Seattle. So I think that I actually think that Rui Diaz is going to be a really good signing for this team in the long term. I think he's exactly the type of player that they needed and he has a good track record, but I do think that it's a little bit unfair to assume that he's going to come in and light the world on fire right away. And B, as I sort of outlined in that story after the Timbers game, I just don't know that this team is as good as the one that Lodero was stepping into in 2016. Because that team was also struggling, but this team just doesn't quite seem to have the pieces right now, even adding another DP. It just seems like their veteran core has kind of gotten older a little bit quicker than they might have thought. Without Jordan Morris around, you don't sort of have that that up-and-coming star out on the wing that can sort of add some firepower. I just think that this team is limited right now in a way that goes beyond one player and goes beyond what they're going to need to accomplish Mm -hmm. to be able to really turn it around and get over that playoff cutoff line. Well, they are 11 points from the red line right now with 19 games left, so there absolutely is still enough time. I want to address both of those points, both A and B. So we'll start with A in speaking about Rui Diaz. Obviously, we haven't seen anything from him yet. We won't until July 15th in Atlanta at the earliest. What are your expectations for the Peruvian striker? He scored 20 goals each of the last two seasons in Liga MX. What do you think that he'll do in MLS this season and then maybe even going forward? Yeah, I mean, I think that the skill set should transfer very well. I mean, you can it's kind of apples and oranges a little bit comparing MLS and Liga MX, but I think that it's fair to say that Liga MX still might be a little bit higher quality, especially sort of at the top end. So you would think that that would translate. And I mean, 20 goals a year, that's a very impressive rate 
uh, the Sounders would certainly take that. They would even really take half of that yeah, because they've been so starved for goals, really going back to the time that Obafemi Martins left. So I think that he's going to come in and really provide that finishing touch that they've really needed for a long time. And that's going to make a huge difference because that can trickle down and free up other guys and really start them to play better. So I think that once he settles in, once he kind of learns how to play off of Lodero and some of these other attacking pieces, I think he's going to come in and make a big difference. Okay, so then let's hit point B, which is that Ladero came on to a team that was just better than this team is right now without Rui Diaz. What else does this team need right now? I mean, Garth Lagaway, Chris Henderson have both talked about bringing in another TAM player or two. It sounds like they've kind of keyed down to one or two guys. We talk about the lack of creativity and predictability in the attack. So I guess the question is, what do they need? Is it a player in the attack? Is it just something else to turn around to go right I mean this last week it was Stefan Fry in concussion protocol so Brian Meredith gets the start it seems like every week there's something that we kind of key on whether it's one little mistake or a big one I mean shoot LAFC in LA Stefan Fry makes the mistake late in that game and it comes away with a loss so it seems like there's always just a little something what needs to turn around for this team where maybe it isn't just Rui Diaz but Rui Diaz plus XYZ equals playoffs Yeah, I mean, adding another TAM player and another goal-dangerous guy is certainly going to help um, because their defense has been mostly reliable. Um, They have a relatively stable enough midfield. Um, But I do think that this might be a little bit presumptuous, but I think the Sounders are going to have to start to take a pretty hard look at the very foundation of the team when it comes to a lot of the veteran guys that have been around for a while. You look at Ozzy Alonso has been around since year one. Chad Marshall's been very reliable for at least the last handful of years, and Clint Dempsey's the highest profile signing in team history. But all of those guys, to one degree or another, sort of seem like they're starting to lose a little bit of a step, maybe ahead of schedule. And if you're looking at all three of those guys maybe being shuffled out, I mean, that's a bigger problem than adding one TAM player is going to solve in the short and even in the long term. So what position? So you put yourself in the shoes of Garth Lagaway or Chris Henderson right now. Let's just say you can add one more TAM player. What position would that player be? Um, a winger, for sure. Some kind of aggressive, attack-minded winger. Sort of a, a Fabian Castillo type, the, uh, the winger who used to play for FC Dallas back in the day. Just somebody that can run and stretch defenses and provide another goal threat. Because I still think even with Rui Diaz, they really need another option in there that sort of keeps defenses honest. Right. Well, we can't exactly know that exact position right now, of course, so we'll wait to see what Garth and Chris and the team does here coming up in the near future. But with Rui Diaz and with the unknown factor of that Tampler, let's try to nail down what this lineup will look like in Atlanta, figuring in that everybody's healthy and figuring in that Rui Diaz will be available there on the 15th. What do you throw out there? Is it the 4-2-3-1 with Rui Diaz at the top? Do you try to shift a formation and put a Will Bruin? I mean, it's a, kind of a separate question. The first question would be, what do you think they're going to throw out there? And the second question is, what would be best for them to throw out there? Yeah, I think what they will throw out there is sort of the 4-2-3-1 that they've sort of utilized for the better part of two years now because I don't know that they're going to drastically want to shake things up. And that that sort of gets to the short versus long-term question. If the Sounders still are to the point where they can think that they can get into the playoffs, maybe you stick with the system you've been using and try to just sort of fit Rui Diaz into what you're doing now. 
But if they start to really still struggle to pick up results and still look like it's going to be a pretty long shot even to get in, I think that you do act a little bit more aggressively in trying combinations and seeing if Will Bruin and Rui Diaz can play together and who are the guys that you can trust to build around going forward. So I think that in the short term, with Seattle still so desperate to pick up results and hang at least within the range of contention, I think they'll probably stick with something close to what they've been doing. But if things are still going the other way, I would expect them to get a little bit more creative. Because the idea of pairing Will Bruin and Rui Diaz at the top, that's kind of appealing to put a big forward next to a small forward and see what they can do together with a Ladero sitting right behind them. For sure. And I think that they are two guys whose skill sets really complement each other. Yeah. Um, as you alluded to, you got the the smaller, quicker guy and the bigger target guy. Traditionally, if you have a pairing like that, that can be really successful for you, especially for a team that has really left its forward up on an island for a lot of this year. Yeah. Adding another guy in there to play off of would make them a lot more dynamic. So I think that it's certainly something they should consider. I would just uh, sort of be curious as to whether they want to shake something so drastically up um, as they're really still trying to gain some momentum here. So we'll see what they do. Uh, Well, before that can happen, before Rui Diaz comes into the lineup, we have another must-win match tomorrow in Colorado. 6 p.m. kickoff right here on Sports Radio 950 KJR. Pre-match show will begin at 5.30. Matt Pence is my guest. He's the Sounders and MLS writer for The Athletic here in Seattle. Uh, Matt, before I let you go, we have to talk about some World Cup. At this point, we've seen everything from the big shocks to the small shocks to England actually winning a penalty shootout Remarkably, here earlier today. Before I ask you about the best moment so far, is this the best World Cup we've ever seen? At least in my lifetime, yes. <laughs> I can't even remember one that's even come close to matching up in terms of every game being competitive, late goals. I think the stat is that after Columbia scored that stoppage time header to force extra time today, that I think there have been either 19 or 20 stoppage time goals scored in the second half of Jeez. this World Cup alone which is just an insane stat, and it kind of encapsulates how crazy and dramatic everything has been. So for me, without a doubt, I've loved it. Every game has been so engrossing. Hopefully it keeps it up all the way to the end, but even if we get a couple of nil-nil draws the rest of the way, I think that this tournament's already going to live long in memory for all of sort of the games that have already come out of it. Yeah, there's been very few bad games at all, really. They've all been very good. For you, what has been the moment of the World Cup so far in a World, in a World Cup that's had so many epic moments? That's a really good question. I think the two that stand out, um, the one that maybe hasn't aged as well, um, was the Spain-Portugal game way back at the beginning of the group stage, yeah. given that both teams got knocked out. The second but day of the cup, really I want to say. Tone. Cristiano Ronaldo <laughs> scoring such a dramatic hat trick. Spain scoring the goal, a couple great goals. I think that that really set the tone. And then I think that the second one that will stand out is that Belgium-Japan game yesterday, because that second half was just so crazy. You have the underdog taking the 2 nothing lead. You have them hanging on for dear life. Belgium trying to live up to this expectation that people have had for them for years and then scoring on that insane counterattack that felt a lot like Landon Donovan against Algeria. Yeah. I think that those are the two games to me that, that are the most vivid. But, I mean, you could pick out a half dozen and have them stand out among one of the more 
memorable World Cup games in recent memory. Yeah, you can probably include England in that one, actually winning a penalty shootout for the first time in their World Cup history. Germany and Tony Kroos and that free kick that won the game for Germany. But of course, it's it's just going to kind of be lost in the fold because Germany didn't even go through to the knockout round. So that kind of gets forgotten, that amazing added time winner for Germany. You mentioned Belgium there, and they are such a dangerous team. Looking at who is left and the eight teams that remain here in the World Cup, how do you nail it down? What do you see happening? Give me your championship pick, if you might. For sure, and I want to sort of go back to what you're saying there, that a lot of it does depend on who goes on and wins it. I mean, if England goes on and wins it, then everyone will point back to this dramatic Columbia game. It's crazy that I referenced my two standout moments and somehow overlooked France 4, Argentina 3. Oh, shoot, yeah. um, This past weekend, (laughs) which was also just... An amazing game with well, as, legacies on the line. And as an Argentina else. fan, Matt, I've put that out of my mind already. I have no idea what you're talking about. That is certainly fair. <laughs> that was definitely a painful one. But I yeah. think that to build off that, I do think that France is the most complete team left. I think they're that talented. I think that they're that good. Um, I think that them versus Uruguay is going to be a really interesting matchup, but I think they survive. On the other half of the bracket, I actually think it's going to be Croatia. Which would be wild, having a team like that come all the way through. But, I mean, they get a Russian team that they would be expected to beat, and obviously that's presumptuous given how they were able to knock out Spain and probably even survive their group stage in ways that people didn't think they would. But this Croatia team plays so well together. They can really control games. It'll probably come down to them in England, you would think. And Mm -hmm. I like their chances. I think it's going to be France and Croatia in the final France overcoming Croatia um, and sort of lifting the title there on July 15th. Uh, It'd certainly be memorable for a World Cup that's had so many shocking and surprising moments. That would just be the next great one to see Croatia in a final. Matt Pence, Sounders and MLS writer for The Athletic here in Seattle. Matt, uh, your insight on everything from Sounders to World Cup is welcomed. Look forward to having you on here again here soon. Appreciate your time today. Yeah, anytime, Jackson. Great stuff there from Matt Pence of The Athletic. Again, you can sign up for those memberships on The Athletic. Just follow The Athletic on Twitter, on Facebook. You'll see great deals. You don't have to go for the four ninety nine a month deal. I got mine for much cheaper than that. So find yours. Get it. It's great content. Matt writes awesome articles, so make sure to get in on that. All right, let's take a break here in the show. Coming up next on Sounders Weekly, Sounders General Manager and President of Soccer, Garth Logaway. He's next on your new home for the Seattle Sounders, Sports Radio 950 KJR. Now back to Sounders Weekly on your home for Sounders FC, Seattle's Sports Radio 950, KJR. Welcome back to Sounders Weekly. You're listening to the new home of the Seattle Sounders, Sports Radio 950, KJR. Jackson Feltz back here in the Carter Volkswagen Studios for Sounders Weekly tonight. Hey, thanks again to Matt Pence of The Athletic here in Seattle to joining me here in that first segment. Great to chat with him about the Seattle Sounders and the World Cup. Hope to have him back on the program again soon. But now it is time to talk, as we always do every week, to Sounders General Manager and President of Sagar, Garth Lagerway. Good evening, Garth. How are you? I'm good, Jackson. How are you doing? I'm doing very good, Garth. Uh, Good to have you on here again, and happy 4th of July Eve. You know, the 4th of July, very different here for us here in the sports business. Uh, Sounders playing tomorrow against Colorado, obviously. You know, whether it's the broadcast position for myself or the general manager position for you, do you get to celebrate 4th of July tomorrow at all? Do you get to have a barbecue at some point? Uh, my kids just learned how to ride their bikes, oh. so we are we are definitely going to go out and uh, do some uh, parade participation uh, in the morning. Uh, you know, for me, I'm not 
Uh, I don't go to all the away games. Um, Chris Henderson, our sporting director, is is on the ground along with the coaching staff. So, um, you know, this one I get to stay back home and, and uh, you know, work on trying to get that second player signed for the summer. Well, and stick home and making sure that you knows how to ride a bike as well. I mean, that's the primary goal here, is it not? You know, the TAM deal, just put that aside. The focus is on the bike riding. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I wish. And certainly that's not the case, but, uh, but that's okay, too. But this is a busy time of year, and uh, between now and August 8th, we can get some things done to make the team better, and that's that's why we're all here. That's that's the purpose. Yeah, we'll get to the soccer stuff in a moment. I'm going to stick with Fourth of July for a minute here. So the ultimate question, of course, is: you can only have one: a burger, a hot dog, or ribs. Oh, you throwing ribs in there as well? Okay. Um, Everybody I mean, always I, goes hot dog and burger. I think ribs is a fair Fourth of July inclusion. That's. I mean, that's a little bit more work. I, I you know, am I grilling these things or am I consuming these things? Let's say you're consuming them. <laughs> Definitely ribs. No, no, no hesitation. Barbecue based ribs that'd be outstanding with some baked beans. Okay, so now that was the next so question: is what you cob. put them with? Okay, so it's the corn on the cob. Now let's say that you have to cook them. Does the answer change? Uh, I mean, ribs are a little trickier uh, on the grill, and then so you know, hot dogs are as easy as it comes. So, so I might go, you know, just ease of use, go with that. Yeah. Although, and now that I live in the Pacific Northwest, the uh, the you know wild salmon fillet that could be oh. excellent, really, at, at any time. I've yeah. learned. <laughs> uh, wet rubber, dry rubber on the ribs. Um, wet. Everybody always goes with dry. I I go with wet too, just because I don't know. It's a little bit easier. And then just exactly. to appease my ten to one host, Jason Puckett, I have to ask the following question: Do you put ketchup on a hot dog? You know what? I am from Chicago. So this is absolute sacrilege. Uh, but yes, I do put ketchup on a hot dog, and, and may my my uh, hometown brethren forgive me because that is the <laughs> cardinal hot dog sin coming from the Windy City. All right, Garth Lockaway, my guest here, Sounders general manager and president of soccer. Let's transition. Start talking about the Seattle Sounders. Last Friday, the news became official. Raul Ruiz Diaz, your new designated player on the club. Tell us about him from your eyes. What excites you most about the Peruvian forward? Uh, he's really good. Uh, he scores a lot of goals. Um, we were really excited to, to add him. I think he was pretty touched by the fan reception that he got in the stadium. Uh, I think that was a really cool moment uh, for the franchise uh, when he's when he stood on stage and held up his jersey and uh, you know the fans you know literally rose to their feet and serenaded them. I think this is something that the whole you know the whole community felt like was um, you know a long time coming and, and exactly what we needed and. Um, so just really excited to have him on the team going forward and, you know, still working on visa, still working on player pass, things like that. And hopefully we get him ready and get him eligible for the, for the game in, in Atlanta, but we'll, we'll see. So after Saturday's match, uh, Brian Schmetzer agreed with one reporter that the attack is too predictable right now. We've been talking about creativity for a number of months now. When Rui Diaz jumps into the starting lineup, and hopefully that is the 15th against Atlanta, does he immediately solve that problem with those skills and that creativity that we see from his highlight reel with Morelia? He's certainly capable of it. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's the guy that's just played at the World Cup, so he, I mean, he's fit. Uh, he's ready to go. Um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see, you know, again, we got to get through the visa stuff. He's got to go home and get some of his personal belongings and stuff like that, get his family sorted out. So we'll go through that process now over the next 10 days, two weeks. Or, but hopefully, again, he's ready to go, uh, certainly sooner than later. And physically, I have no doubt that he's ready to go. 
And those skills specifically, I know Chris talked about it a bit on Friday at the press conferences too. His ability, what specifically stood out about his skills on the ball, and you talked about the scoring there as well. What specifically stood out to you as reasons for making this happen? He finds really good pockets of space. I mean, if you're talking about how he plays, mm-hmm. he, he's a he's not a big guy, but he's really quick and he's really shifty. Uh, and he's just really good at, at sneaking around and finding open pockets. And when he does, he scores goals. He's absolutely lethal. Uh, he scores all kinds of goals, right foot, left foot, head, body, knee, shoulder, whatever it takes. Um, you know, he'll, he'll put the ball in the net. And I think for a team like ours that's centered around chance creation, uh, from an offensive standpoint, I think he's the perfect complement to kind of close the circuit. If Nico's the force magnifier, uh, the guy who, who brings the whole thing together is Rui Diaz. Garth, I asked you this on Friday, but for those who didn't hear as part of the press conference, can you take us through the timeline of this signing and when you first started looking at him as a transfer target and how it all came together resulting in last Friday? Yeah, I mean, Rui Diaz has played for Peru forever. He's played in Mexico for a couple of years, so he's a player that's well-known. You know, So we can say we are tracking him, but you know, in the sense that we're tracking every good player in Mm -hmm. South and Central America. Um, You know, Chris went down to a national team camp uh, for Peru uh, and was looking at Raul, among others. And, uh, you know, that's when he got a handle on him, and that's when Rui Diaz really jumped up our board uh, to become an option. And then, as you told the story there in the press conference as well, that after Peru was eliminated from the World Cup, in the 24 hours following that, he takes the flight from Russia to Seattle. That determination to get here fast and start his next chapter with the Sounders how meaningful is that to see from a player in terms of just his off-field dedication towards the team and readiness to get going, get to this next step? It's it's really important. I mean, it was really cool. I mean, he flew from Sochi to Moscow, uh, and then Moscow uh, with one more stop, uh, you know, to Seattle gets here literally within 24 hours of playing in the World Cup. Uh, you know, pretty impressive uh, and pretty good dedication. Um, we were very excited to see that. And, you know, you, you always want someone to want to be here. And, uh, you know, Rolo wants to be here. And as I said, I think it was a really cool moment with the fans uh, when when he held up his jersey in the stadium. And it's hopefully going to be a lot cooler when he comes back to play in the century like against Vancouver on uh, July 21. Yeah, that'll be the first home match that Raul will be able to play here in Seattle. You also mentioned on Friday that he is signed through 2022, and you also slipped in there, which was a news to a lot of us, that Nico Ladero is signed through the 2021 season. So how exciting and I guess how relieving is it to have both a supremely talented distributor in Nico and then also now a talented goal scorer both locked in for the next three and a half seasons? Uh, it's good, you know, it's good and we got to keep them healthy. That's, that's been the theme all year this year. Uh, and you know, but th- those guys are both real pros and they're really dedicated and they are, uh, you know, they're really good at what they do. And if you're going to, you know, as I said, a week ago, a couple of days ago, if you, pay, if you paint on a blank canvas and you draw a soccer team, you want a 10 and you want a nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, we think we've got those. We've got the creator, we got the finisher. Uh, and now we got to build the rest of the team around him, and that's hopefully a really good foundation. And, you know, hopefully uh, Rule comes in and, and does a great job, and uh, folks will at least understand why, you know, for example, we, 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 when we say that there are better players available in the summer window, that is generally the case, especially in a World Cup year. Um, and, you know, our strategic decisions have been get these decisions not right for one transfer window, not right for a couple of months but get them right for three and a half years. And by having these guys under contract together for a number of years, um, we think that that's going to give the franchise 
a real uh, upward lift as well as some stability. And the upper lift is something that we talked about a little bit, just simply in terms of these next 10, 12, 13 days leading into that Atlanta match, where he's not only going to be a benefit on the field then, but he also raises the quality of training. And he raises just the simple mindset of players out there for these next couple of games. And we saw it in Portland to an extent, you know, two goals for the team, which was great to see. But also just on the training pitch aspect, you used the phrase last week a couple of times that you want guys to start believing in ourselves again and start reinvigorating and have that confidence that we are a good soccer team. We can go out and do it. That's an important part that Rui Diaz is adding to this, not only on the field, but off the field and mentally as well. For sure. For sure. We needed that little spark, a little lift. Unfortunately, it didn't translate into a win against Portland, but... We have an opportunity to go back out against Colorado on the road and, and uh, you know, and give all of our effort, give all of our heart, and hopefully show our quality. And uh, we definitely have a talented roster. Uh, we have plenty of good players on this team, uh, and certainly we have enough good players to have success. Uh, and I'm optimistic that we're going to come out in Denver and we're going to show that we can do it. So, Garth, going back to and Garth Lagerwey is my guest, Sanders, president of soccer and general manager. Garth, you mentioned there in terms of building the team around the 9 and the 10, and that leads to the topic of what's next. You've said that the aim is to add another TAM-level player or two. Chris Henderson said on Friday that there is a, quote, consensus on one or two guys. Now it's about the negotiation process. Obviously, it's fruitless to ask you the name and position of those players. But I do want to ask what positions on this team right now you want to upgrade now that you've shored up the forward position what other positions are you looking at to upgrade you know i think it, it's it, the salary cap is is always a jigsaw puzzle and, mm-hmm. and when you invest resources in one spot it costs you resources in another so what i would say about adding uh, a second player in addition to Raul Roy Diaz is that we still have the budget to do that we still have the capability to do that um, and we're going to look at how things go, uh, you know, potentially over the next couple of games um, to see where our most critical needs are. Now, it's correct to say that we have closed in on a very small number of targets. I think there's a broad feeling that we want to uh, add another attacking player, mm-hmm. um, but I wouldn't say yet that we're locked into anything. Um, you know, again, it's the summer; it's chaotic. Uh, the day the World Cup ends, things are going to go crazy in the transfer market. Uh, and, you know, tons of players will be uh, become available again. And, and they are already available. So we're working. We're trying to be prepared. Uh, and hopefully uh, when the transfer window opens or shortly thereafter, we'll be in a position to, to make a decision and move forward on, on the next one. Okay, well, attacking player, that's good information there. Garth, you mentioned the World Cup. Let's switch gears and start talking about the World Cup like we have the last couple weeks. There is one MLS player left in the World Cup, and that would be the Seattle Sounders' Gustav Svensson. Earlier today, with Sweden victory over Switzerland to move into the quarterfinals, what have you seen from Svensson so far in the World Cup, and how far do you think Sweden and Svensson can take this thing? You know, they're in the side of the draw. Sweden is that, you know, they could keep going for a while. Uh, you know, they got a difficult England team now coming off an emotional victory over Columbia today. Um, you know, it'll be, I'll be in all the games here in the quarterfinals of the World Cup. I mean, it goes without saying, I think that all the games are difficult from here on out. But, uh, Sweden can hang with anybody. They've shown that. Uh, and it's going to take a really awesome performance to beat them. And I think Gustav's been great. You know, played 90 minutes today. Uh, came on, played a little over 30 minutes uh, the game before, and just kind of gradually worked his way into a bigger, bigger role in that team. And I think it speaks volumes about Gustav that uh, he is so consistent and so reliable and so trustworthy. 
that he just keeps getting opportunities even on the world's biggest stage. And uh, it is an honor to have him representing the Seattle Sounders. Um, it's an, it's it's fun to watch Sweden. I got in the office at 6.45 a.m. this morning to make sure I didn't miss a minute. But, you know, when I turned down the, the TV today and uh, and just to come and watch good stuff, you know, and that was something I was really excited to do. And uh, it'll be really exciting to watch him play another game. Uh, and, and uh, you know, hey, maybe in the short term again, we, we take a little hit. You know, Gustav's going to miss the New England game. Uh, you know, I think in a big picture, uh, it's really worth it to be rooting on your guys and you know, be proud of them from a Seattle perspective. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, if he misses that July 15th match against Atlanta, that's probably a good thing because it means he's playing in the world's biggest game. And that would be it. And shoot, if he's even starting, that would be even bigger. But to have an MLS player and to have your player in the World Cup final would be something incredible. So as you mentioned, Sweden's there on the good side of the bracket there. An interesting quarterfinals coming up here in the World Cup, Garth. I mean, the left side of the bracket, obviously, we have some, you know, a couple really Really good games setting up between Uruguay and France and Brazil and Belgium. Let's start with the left side of the bracket. What do you make of that Brazil-Belgium game in a team in Belgium who had to come back to beat Japan and Brazil who had kind of a little bit of a rough group stage, but now they're kind of asserting their dominance upon Mexico this last week? I think that's the best game of the quarterfinals. I think those are two of the top teams in the world. I think Belgium's been spectacular. I mean, they had to work for it in the, in the last game, but they're very, very good. Uh, and Brazil, again, if you look at their qualifying record, you know, winning in combat ball uh, kind of speaks for themselves. So I think the Uruguay-France game is going to be a very good game as well. Um, you know, maybe a slight edge to France in that game. Nico will hopefully forgive me for saying that. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, just because they didn't take him. Um, but... Uh, no, I mean, Brazil-Belgium, I think that's going to be the match of the tournament. I think I'm really excited to see that. And it's a close one. And then, you know, on the other side of the bracket, I think it's fair to say uh, less traditional powers uh, in terms of the teams that are there. And certainly of the four that are left, I'd say Croatia plays the best soccer. Uh, they're the most fun to watch. And, and uh, you know, but again, all those teams, France, Uruguay, Brazil, and, and uh, Belgium, all those teams are fun to watch. So, uh, you know, and, and Sweden's special in terms of their style and their Cinderella story. And you know, then you, then you have the hosts and the English, and, you know, it's a pretty good tournament uh, from here on out. If I asked you to go bold and make a championship pick, who over who right now, could you do it for me? You know, the the one side of the bracket is just more straightforward, and, the, and you got to, uh, I don't know, you, you think that, you know, a team coming out of that side is more likely to win in the sense that they're less likely to get knocked off in the quarters. Um, man, that's, it's tough. I'd say if I had to pick one right now, I might pick France. But but uh, it's definitely not clear cut. How good can Mbappe be? I mean, it's a 19 year old kid who's already one of the best in the world, and his speed is something else. Yeah, uh, he's he's not a small person either. Uh, yeah. you know, just the power that he generates as well with that pace is it's an impressive package. And this guy's looking for the kid. You know, I'll be interested to see if he's the next, you know, Ronaldo or Messi. You know, can he be that global superstar level of player? because uh, it's certainly been fun to watch him so far. You know, you mentioned Ronaldo and Messi there. I think it's interesting. Both knocked out on the same day of Saturday, and the fact that it happened on the same day sort of highlighted the notion that, I don't know, just personally just brainstorming, that you can't rely on one guy, no matter how talented they are, to carry you in an international tournament like this, no? You definitely need help. I mean, if you look at the way that Messi got played out of some of the games, I mean, just by, you know, 
putting two guys on him and making it almost impossible for him to find the ball. Um, you know, that was, you know, obviously frustrating for him, but, but yes, at the highest level, the tactics are so sophisticated. I think it's, you know, it's not easy to isolate a player of that quality, but I think it's, it's achievable. Uh, and, you know, certainly they, you know, if Iceland can do it, then, uh, you know, higher level teams will be able to, to do it as well. Yeah, that Iceland-Argentina game, that was another one of those shockers in a World Cup of so many surprising and shocking moments. Uh, that It's just been wonderful. So the quarterfinals will begin on Friday, and we will keep watching to see how far Gustav Svensson and Sweden can go. Uh, Garth, last thing for you here before we end the interview. We saw Roman Torres get injured at the end of Panama's third match there in the group stage. Do you have any update on his status and when he'll be back and ready to play for the Sounders? Uh, yeah, just, just correct my last statement too. Uh, it was Croatia that did a really good job on Messi and denied him the ball. Iceland actually allowed him a couple of shots, even though they even though they, they saved the penalty. Uh, but anyway, that nuance aside, Roman Torres is back in Seattle. Um, he is going to uh, give it a go uh, in terms of training on his ankle tomorrow. We'll see how it goes. Uh, we'll diagnose him after that and try to get a timeline for when he can uh, get back out there. Good stuff. All right, Garth Logaway, Sounders General Manager and President of Soccer. It's a pleasure to have you on each week. Thank you again, and we will talk next week. Awesome. Thanks, Jackson. Great stuff there from Garth Logaway. Love having him on each week. Hey, wanted to react to a couple things he said right now after the interview. The first is on Roman Torres, so they're going to reevaluate him. But I think the interesting thing to watch is if he immediately earns back that backup center back job. We know that Chad Marshall's job is safe. He's a stout defender, scored a goal this last week. So that spot is safe. But has Kim Kihi done enough to keep his backup center back job? That is going to be the interesting question to watch. You know that Roman Torres had that job, then he went down with the injury, then he was with Panama with the World Cup, so it's been a long time since Roman Torres started at center back for the Sounders. Kim Kihi, meanwhile, has made big strides in his time starting for this team. He's developed a camaraderie back there with Chad Marshall, with Stefan Fry. So seeing if Roman Torres immediately gets his starting back job, if he is healthy, of course, and that's the big qualifier, if Roman Torres is ready to start, will be interesting to see if he retakes that backup center back job or the other center back job, or if Kim Kihi retains that and Roman Torres stays on as that third guy. So that'll be interesting to watch. The other thing I wanted to mention is when Garth talked about the next addition for this team. It's going to be a TAM player, as both he and Chris Henderson have talked about. But then who? What kind of a player is that going to be? Now we have information that it's going to be an attacking player. So what exactly is that? I don't think that comes at the 10. As Matt Penn said with me last segment, it seems to be more of a winger. You know, Magnus Wolf Ikram can fit in at the 10. Clint Dempsey can fit in at the 10. Christian Roldan can fit at the 10. Nico Ladero can fit at the 10. They have a lot of players that can start at the number 10 spot the Sounders do. So it is more of a winger player. And that may allow Nico Ladero to shift in from the right wing slot to the 10 and then have a new TAM level winger outside. And I know that's necessarily kind of what they brought in Magnus Wolf Ikram for. He is also a guy who can play out on the wing. He's had a few creative plays out there. But at the same time, I think they're looking for a starting caliber winger player. Magnus Wolf Ikram just hasn't earned that starting job. And then he would play on the opposite side of Victor Rodriguez. Nico Ladero shifts to the 10, where I think generally that's the type of guy that they want there. They want Nico Ladero in that spot. 
And that would then allow you to start Clint Dempsey on the bench, bring him on as a super sub in like the 70th or 80th minute, and use Clint Dempsey off the bench. Because we've heard from Brian Schmetzer, and just reading between the lines, we feel like that's sort of how he would like to use Clint Dempsey if he had all of his horses available, if he had everybody ready to go, using Clint Dempsey at 100% for 20-30 minutes rather than wearing him down over the course of a game so that if you need a goal late, he is at a much lower percentage. That seems to be more of a preferable thing to do with Clint Dempsey at the age he's at. Because, listen, just going to be real with you, Clint Dempsey's getting older and he doesn't have what he did three, four years ago. So using Clint Dempsey in that sort of a role is certainly preferable. So that would be the option to go for. You bring in a Tam winger, you move Nico Ladero inside, and bada-bing, bada-boom, then you're looking at a attack there of a top four, a band of three, and then a forward that has two TAM-level players and two designated players. And if that doesn't score goals, then I don't know what will, because that seems like it would be a very dangerous attack to put Victor Rodriguez, Nico Ladero, a new TAM winger, and Raul Rui Diaz, and then if they change the formation, potentially Will Bruin up there as well. That seems like it would be a very dangerous goal-scoring team. Alright, one segment left here in Sounders Weekly. Not long left, so I'm going to come back with a few more takes and a few more takeaways from the show tonight. That's next on Sounders Weekly on your new home for the Seattle Sounders Sports Radio 950. Now back to Sounders Weekly on your home for Sounders FC. Seattle Sports Radio 950. KJR. Welcome back to Sounders Weekly. You're listening to the new home of the Seattle Sounders, Sports Radio 950 KJR. Jackson Feltz in here for just a couple more minutes here on Sounders Weekly. Hey, Sounder fans, wanted to remind you again, you can head to Elysian Fields to catch the Sounders FC pre-match show live before every home match. Elysian Brewing, the official craft beer partner of Seattle Sounders FC. Thanks again for everybody who listened tonight. Thanks to Matt Pence of the Athletic Seattle who joined to talk about the Sounders adding Raul Ruiz Diaz and Brian Schmetzer, his great article on Schmetzer last week, as well as the World Cup. Garth Lagerway as well for talking about Ruiz Diaz and the World Cup too. We're watching a fun World Cup these days, and the quarterfinals will begin on Friday. Listen, I will right now make the bold pick of saying I think that England, through the amazingly emotional win today in penalty kicks, is going to go through. I think they have an easier side of the bracket. Sorry to Gustav Svensson. And then I think it's Belgium and Brazil on the other side. Those are, I think, the two strongest teams. And one of those three, I think, come out with this title. But it is going to be a fun tournament to watch the end. We've already had an amazing tournament so far. Hopefully it continues. On the Sounders end, it's Colorado tomorrow, 6 p.m. kickoff here on 950 KJR. So tune in while you have your barbecue going. It's 950 a.m. on your little AM FM radio. Or you can download the free iHeartRadio app and listen on that. So kickoff is at 6 o'clock. Pre-game show will start at 5.30 here on KJR as the Sounders really have another must-win. I know we've been saying this a lot, but it's another must-win for this team. Colorado is just above Seattle in the Western Conference standings at 10th place right now. It's a beatable team, and Seattle on paper isn't bad. This is a good soccer team. They just, as Garth Lagerwey said, need the belief to win. They need to believe that they can do it because they are a very good roster and a very good soccer team. They just got to believe in it, and they got to put it on the field, and that starts tomorrow because at some point you got to start working up towards that red line still 11 points away that needs to start tomorrow so tune in 
5.30 pregame, 6 o'clock kickoff. We'll have the game tomorrow, and then another match on Saturday against New England. That match on Saturday will kick off at 4.30, so tune in on Saturday for there. Sounders are in Massachusetts for that game. Two-game week, some fixture congestion there that Brian Schmetzer will have to deal with. And that will do it for Sounders Weekly tonight. Thanks again to Matt Pence. Thanks to Garth Logaway. An outstanding show tonight. If you missed any of it, check out the podcast on SportsRadioKJR.com. Thanks for listening, and make sure to tune in tomorrow. Sounders versus Colorado Rapids.